Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Coming up on Squats and Margaritas. I have always lived by, if I'm running, you better run too. There's something chasing us. And people like me, my size, that look like me, don't run. They don't do anything like that. And after I had my second daughter, I was like chugging along six months. I was like, you know, I'm a fitness coach. I'm going to crush this postpartum journey. Like I'm going to make it my bitch. People are going to be like, oh yeah. And then I was doing that up until I hit it like she was like five months old. And then postpartum depression just like knocked me on my ass. And that's not something a lot of people talk about. Like the delayed effects, like everybody thinks it's right when you have the baby, but especially if you're breastfeeding, which I was, it can happen up until like toddler stage. And so that wasn't something I was prepared with. So it wasn't until December 2020 that I was finally like, Allie, you're seeing history repeat itself and you are not that person anymore. I was a fitness coach for heaven's sakes. I'm not supposed to struggle. I'm not supposed to gain all this weight back. I'm not supposed to be showing up on social media and then drowning my sorrows with a bottle of wine at the end of the night. And so I found myself, you know, starting, I was like, all right, we just need to take steps, take steps towards exactly what I did at the beginning. I think that's a lot of people don't realize is Even if you've been doing it for a while and you find yourself struggling, you find yourself lost, you can't just pick up right where you left off. It's literally like starting fresh over. So we have to like release those expectations. So that's what I did. I had this like, oh shit moment where it's like, is there any other excuses that I've lived by that I could maybe debunk? And running was like the first one that ever came up to me because I literally always lived by the rule. I could never do it. You know, it was terrible. I hated it. And so I was like, you know what? Maybe we can. And I think that's such a good mindset to have is like, but why can't I? Like, just because nobody looks like me that's doing it, well, then you can be the first one. And that's kind of like my mindset. So I started really slowly going into that. And I just reminded myself, I was like, brick by brick. Like, you just got to start trying. Hey, senorita, really nice to meet you. Have some tequila and stay. This week on Squats and Margaritas, it's Allie Griffith, the mindset mentor herself. She's a health and fitness coach. She's a mom of two, and she's the host of the Be That Bitch podcast, which I am an upcoming guest on. Guess I'm that bitch. I want to talk about her fitness journey, what motivated her to get in shape, how she balances mom life with building a brand, confidence, how she finds motivation basically balancing all of the things. Please do me a favor and hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this episode. And please consider leaving me a review for Squats and Margaritas on Apple Podcasts. Here is my episode with Allie Griffith. We have a lot in common. We are both into health and fitness. We are both moms of two. We both live in Georgia. I don't know if you knew that. I did not. Where do you live in Georgia? I live in Brooks, Georgia, uh, south of Atlanta. It's, uh, do you know, Peachtree City, Fayetteville? Yes. So I'm between Peachtree City and Fayetteville. <laughs> How about you? Uh, by Athens, Georgia. So oh, okay. More, more north than that. Are you a Georgia fan? Because we don't have that. Um, 
by default, I don't give a rat's ass about football, but my husband is obsessed with it. So like by default, I just cheer forever what he cheers for. Just yell go dogs. You just randomly yell that out. I've been following you. I can't even tell you how long. I want to talk about how you built this brand, but I want to start with your story and okay. kind of just how you got to where you are now. I'm thinking there was a critical moment when you were 18. So you you lost your mom. Did that yeah. spark kind of what the trajectory of your life and what you're doing now? So you would think that you would think me losing my mom would have been like my wake up call to get my shit together, but it actually wasn't. Um, so I lost her and it sent me in like a downward spiral, um, where I was like relying a lot on booze and alcohol. And I was doing really unhealthy things to try to lose weight. Cause I thought that's what I wanted. Um, my husband, my husband, my boyfriend at the time was, you know, out working like in a different state. So it was just me. So that's what I was doing. And then I ended up getting pregnant. Um, and I had this moment, like, I was like, okay, this is cool. Like I'm pregnant. We weren't really trying. I'm, you know, 19 years old. Um, or I was 18 at the time. And then I ended up losing that baby and it sent me even further down a spiral. And it was really hard to like, even see it like an as a sign. Cause I felt like God was giving me this baby or whatever you believe in. God was giving me this baby, um, and replacing my mom. Like here, I took your mom, let me give you this baby. And so when that was taken away from me, I went into this like F you mentality where I was just like pissed off at the world. Yeah. Um, I was really like, really chewing substances and stuff like that. Well, then I got pregnant again with my oldest and I was afraid to move, work out anything. Like I, I was just afraid. So I sat down, um, and I sat through that entire pregnancy and gaining a hundred pounds. And then, you know, I would love to say even giving birth to her, it was my wake up call, but it wasn't, I'm stubborn as I'll get out. And I was just like in survival mode. Um, and it wasn't until she was, I found myself, she was one years old. I was back up to what I was nine months pregnant, like weighing what I weigh nine months pregnant. Um, and that wasn't even my wake up call. I know it's like, I literally just have to be grilled into my head, drilled into my head. It was when she asked me, she's like, mama, can you get down on the floor and play with me? And it was after a long day of work. And I told her, no, mom is tired. Go play by yourself because I could not fathom getting off the couch and going and sitting on the floor and playing with her. And that like something you would think it's like the big things in your life that are what you will be your wake up call, but it can literally be something as small as telling your daughter, like, I can't play with you right now because I'm too tired to like make you realize that putting her first was actually putting yourself last because I I was so afraid to take any time away from her, any time away from anything because I was working 12 hours a day between commuting and stuff like that. So I was never around her. So I felt guilty about going to the gym or doing even at home workouts because I felt like that was being even more selfish with my time. And what I had realized is, you know, ultimately putting her first was also putting her last because I wasn't the mom that she does. And so that was kind of like my, oh shit moment that I need to get it together or uh, history can repeat itself. And I want to be there for her to get married. Unlike my mom was, I want to become a grandmother. Unlike my mother never got the opportunity. Um, And so that was kind of just like my full circle moment, but it wasn't until three years later that I had it. I relate to that so much. Another thing in common is we both kind of found ourselves in our like fitness after being moms where you have like less time and you mentioned it, like you have the guilt. It's like, I can't go work out. I'm a mom. I haven't been around my kids enough. Was she, was your oldest where you had postpartum or your second? 
Uh, my second. So my first, I didn't have any kind of postpartum depression, nothing. I was just, which hindsight, you know, you, I want to say I did it, but also I didn't know what optimal health felt like. I didn't yeah. know what feeling amazing felt like. So I could have been going through it. I could have been going through maybe a milder case of it, but honestly, I was so used to feeling like complete shit right. that I wouldn't have known, you know, shit from shittier. Like it, it went just, unnoticed. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I about that. Yeah. So, you know, I know 120% I had it with my youngest, but that's because I knew what taking care of myself and thriving and really, you know, feeling good mentally, physically, and emotionally felt like, so I could differentiate it, but I could yeah. never differentiate it from my first one. So I would like to say I did it because I would feel like I would have known that big, but then again, you know, I felt like complete crap all the time. So I could have, which I think a lot of moms don't even realize, like sometimes you just don't take care of yourself enough where you could be going through something even bigger and it not feel like it because you're just so used to feeling like complete dog shit. Yes. And now you don't feel like that anymore. You take care of yourself. I feel like a lot of women in the space that coach or try to inspire other women, it's because they have a story and they went through something. You're like one of the most confident women I have ever seen now, but I'm assuming there was a story there to kind of get you to this place. In my background, I had a ton of like disordered eating, bulimia, anorexia. And I wondered where you now you do things the right way, like in health and fitness. But did you have a time where you struggled More squats and margaritas in a moment? Now this. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Album, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now back to squats and margaritas. I have always like struggled my weight. I've always been the bigger girl in the class. I've always been the biggest. I cheered. I was always the biggest in the squad. And so I remember as like at like 10 years old, asking my mama for my birthday, can I get a Weight Watchers membership? Oh because that was like, I always felt bigger. I felt like I always needed to lose weight. And so my like very unhealthy relationship with food started at like middle school to the point where, you know, I did that like before I could even drive a car. Yeah. And then it just kind of like downward spell from there. I did dabble with, you know, throwing up and bulimia and stuff like yeah. that. And then, you know, I, I, always, I always liked food too much to like really starve myself, but I would do it in a way that didn't think I was starving myself. Like whenever I'd lost my mom and I was like really wanting to start losing weight, I would only eat food that would come on like this saucer plate, like those really mm -hmm. small plates to try to trick my brain into thinking I was eating enough. And I was only eating like a thousand calories, if that, which now I know is I was basically starving myself, like yes. being, being a 250, 60, 70 pound woman. And you don't think like, this is what they say, calories in versus calories out. Yes. But something that they don't let you know is you can under eat and essentially put yourself in starvation mode, like an anorexic woman would, or somebody that struggles with an eating disorder and you will be doing it unintentionally. And that's what I did where I completely shot my metabolism and completely shot everything and no shit, I was losing weight, but it came to a point where if I ate anything, it yeah. would skyrocket. Yeah. Um, and so 
you know, it came to a point where that didn't start working. And of course, when you're doing something so restrictive, then you go to the, it's like a pendulum swing and you go either completely yep. this way or that way. And then I would find myself binging and starting over. And like I probably did that for a decade until I had my oldest. And then, you know, I finally told myself, I was like, Ali, we're just not even going to focus on the weight. Like, we're not going to focus on the weight. We're not going to focus on how fast we can do this. We're literally just going to start focusing on like just starting to do something. Yeah. Like, let's just do something. And that's where I really started the slow and steady approach where, you know, I would just like try to have it stack, add things on, add things on because I wanted so badly to get off of this fucked up roller coaster that I was on yes. that, you know, I threw away the scale. I realized that, you know, it's, if you step on that and you're emotionally gone one way or the other, you're not ready for oh, yeah. it. Cause I try to tell my clients all the time. I'm like, if you step on that and automatically your worth is either up or down. You're not ready for it. Like you yes. literally need to be able to step on that and have be like, mm, okay. And move on. And then, you know, you're ready for it. So I didn't step on a scale for like two years. I just focused on the slow and steady approach, just trying to figure out as I went and then, you know, found myself pregnant again and just a whole nother roller coaster. But yeah, that's Allie, I mean, every a, single thing that you said down to a decade, like my body, when I was barely eating and over exercising, doing what women are taught calories in versus calories out, do your cardio, eat your salads. I was 20 pounds heavier and frustrated. Cause I was like, I barely eat. I'm working out every day. And a trainer at my gym was like, your body is starving. You're under eating and over exercising, which seems like the right way to do it. So I was living so frustrated and so stressed out feeling like this is bullshit. I'm doing everything right. And my body changed when I started eating a shit ton more, more often and strength training instead of just doing cardio and barely eating. I write about that in my book that the scale determined my worth. If I was up and I'm talking by an ounce, if I had gained, it was a shitty day. But if I lost anything, it was like, nothing's getting me down. My worth was determined by a number for so long. Oh, and then you find yourself stepping on the scale twice in a day. And then your worth literally goes from this high to this low because yes. of the, no shit. Like, isn't it just insane that women and men too, I mean, anybody literally puts so much like clout in this machine that can vary anywhere from five to seven pounds in 24 hours. Like yes. we give them that much control over our emotions. It's like giving your freaking flippity flop best friend that, you know, is literally never going to be there. Like a hold over your emotions, you know, it's stupid, but you do it anyways. Yes. And it's just, it's insane to me. That's like, that's the number one way everybody feels like they measure success. And it's the most unreliable way you could ever measure success. Yes. Mine started around 15. Like I got my period, my body started changing and I was gaining weight. So I was like, oh no, no. And then it was anorexia, exercise, bulimia, bulimia, depression. Just, I didn't get it together till I was 37. And it was after I had my second child, my son. And now it's like, I just want to talk to the woman that is doing it the way that women feel like they were taught to do, which we were, and isn't seeing results. It's like, you actually have to eat more and it's such a mind shift to be like, eat more to lose weight because you lived with restriction and deprivation for so long. And it's, I found my physical ideal, enjoying my life, listening to my hunger cues, eating more. And it's like, I, when I was working harder to get it, I never got it. 
So it's such, I was like, I have to write this book because it's not what women are taught. People see you now like running a marathon, but you used to say like you weren't running unless you were running to a margarita, which I totally relate to. (laughs) How did you go from that? Like talk about the mindset around that and kind of about how you say like motivation, you can't rely on motivation. I have always lived by the thing that's like, if I'm running, you better run too. There's something chasing us or I'm running towards like something because literally I've never, I just always lived by the definition that people like me, my size that look like me don't run. They don't do anything like that. And it wasn't until, so after I had my first, we touched on this a little bit after I had my first or my second, after I had my second daughter, I was like gooch. I was like, chugging along six months. I was like, you know, I'm a fitness coach. I'm going to crush this postpartum journey. Like I'm going to make it my bitch. People are going to be like, Oh yeah. And then I was doing that up until I hit like, she was like five months old. And then postpartum depression just like knocked me on my ass. And that's not something a lot of people talk about, like the delayed effects. Like everybody thinks it's right when you have the baby, but especially if you're breastfeeding, which I was, it can happen up until like the a toddler stage. And so that wasn't something I was prepared with. So it wasn't until, you know, struggling with that, trying to figure all that out. And then I hit January or December, I hit December of 2020 that I was finally like, Allie, you're, you're, you're seeing history repeat itself. Like you're literally, and you are not that person anymore. I was a fitness coach for heaven's sakes. I'm not supposed to struggle. I'm not supposed to gain all this weight back. I'm not supposed to be showing up on social media and then drowning my sorrows with a bottle of wine at the end of the night. And so I found myself, you know, starting, I was like, all right, we just need to take steps, take steps towards exactly what I did at the beginning. I think that's a lot of people don't realize is even if you've been doing it for a while and you find yourself struggling, you find yourself lost. You can't just pick up right where you left off. It's literally like starting fresh over. So we have to like release those expectations. So that's what I did. And then I did a challenge called the 75 hard challenge, which I'm sure everybody's heard of. Um, after I started getting my crap together because I needed something really hard to prove to myself that I can do hard things that I can't live by my excuses. And so I did that. Um, and then towards the end of it, I had this like, Oh shit moment where it's like, is this the biggest challenge that I'm ever going to be able to take? Is there any other excuses that I've lived by that I could maybe debunk? And running was like the first one that ever came up to me because I literally always lived by the rule. I could never do it. You know, it was terrible. I hated it. And so I was like, you know what? Maybe we can. And I think that's such a big, like a good mindset to have is like, but why can't I? Like, what is there that's not just because nobody looks like me that's doing it? Well, then you can be the first one. And that's kind of like my mindset. So I started really slowly going into that. And I just reminded myself, I was like brick by brick. Like you just got to start trying. And I started at like an 18 minute mile, like 18 people were walking faster than I was running, (laughs) but I just had to remind myself, everybody starts somewhere. And it was a really humbling experience to get to like, start fresh from something and just giving myself that, that piece to just go for it and try. Um, and then I was like, I'm going to do my first 5k. So it was like six months after I started running that I did my first ever 5k. And within that same year, I did a 5k, a 10k, a half marathon my first year. And then within the first seven months of running, I ran my first marathon. And now I'm a month away from my second. Oh my um, 
but it's just, it's been a wild ride. Just insane how much belief you can build in yourself just by proving that you actually can do the things you never truly believed you can. And that's the biggest, like, thing to keep you going. Everybody's like motivation, motivation, motiv- I'm not motivated to do it. No freaking shit. You're not motivated to do it. Right. Motivation comes from results and you're not getting results. If you're not doing anything right. Everybody thinks motivation is what drives them. And the motivation is created by the consistency and the discipline and getting where like showing yourself, you can do it. That's what's motivating. Getting results is what's motivating. You're not going to get the results unless you decide to stay consistent and dedicated to the routine. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Now back to squats and margaritas. You say like you're not motivated to brush your teeth. You still brush your teeth. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm not motivated to change my kids' shitty diapers, but I do it anyway. It's like I signed up for that. That's like that's the thing. You know, these are responsibilities. You don't look at it as an option, right? It's not an option to change your kid's diaper or brush your teeth or anything like that. So why do you make your health an option, right? Why do you make it negotiable? It shouldn't be. It should be a non-negotiable, just like getting up and going to work. You don't want to do it, but the pain of not doing it is bigger than the pain of doing it. Right. And so you do it right. The pain of not going to work. What do you deal with? Um, homelessness, having no job, literally all that. So you're like, well, shit, that's a lot worse than actually getting up and going to work. Right. So not a lot of people look at their health that way. What's the pain of not taking care of yourself? Well, you could die. You could have high cholesterol, diabetes, health problems. You could be morbidly obese, like all of these different things. But if that's what you've always lived with, you don't look at it as a pain. But if you look at the other side, what's the pain of doing it? Sure. Waking up at the crack acid dawn, which is what I have to do kind of freaking sucks, but yeah. the other option sucks even more. So you just yeah. got to choose the lesser of two eels. I'd like choose which one sucks less. <laughs> like they both suck. I'm not going to lie. Waking up at 4 45 in the morning fucking blows, but it sucks a lot less than me having to tell my daughter, I can't run out in the playground with her because I feel so bad about myself. It's a fabulous way to look at it. And you said like motivation comes from consistency. You don't need to come out. Like you ran a marathon but I, I was listening to you on another podcast. You're like, I didn't just start out with people like just one mile at a time. You're like, I was one mailbox at a time. (laughs) I was like, just make it to that mailbox. And that's how you have to look at it. And then it's not so daunting. You just kind of look at like just what's in front of you. And you start, like you said, laying bricks towards something else. And then motivation will kind of come because you you're starting to see a little bit of results. And then you want to keep doing it because you want to keep seeing results, but it starts, like you said, brick by brick. Um, cocktails, alcohol has come up a couple of times. Let's go there. I started this brand like squats and margaritas was balanced lifestyle. After all the years of restriction and deprivation, I found my best physical body by enjoying what I want, like daily cocktails, working out maybe four days a week instead of seven, dropping all the stress. So that I still stand by that and moderating, but I'm also at this point in my life, sober curious, and I'm trying your face went from like happy to like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, no, because I mean, I went through a phase where that's what I want to talk about. Completely cut out alcohol. Okay. I didn't drink anything because I realized 
I never had an, like an alcohol problem. I would never call myself an alcoholic, but I will say I use it as a crutch. Yes. I use it as a crutch for certain things in my life. So like whenever I was dealing heavily with the postpartum depression with my youngest, I was found myself drinking, not just a glass of wine and not like two, three, like I found yes. myself drinking an entire bottle of wine sometimes. Yes. So I realized that if I did not stop this right now and using it as a crutch and st- like using it to numb out and not deal with my shit that it will quickly become a problem. So I completely cut out alcohol. How did um, you catch it? Like, how did you, it, what did, was there a come to Jesus moment where you're like, this is not, this is not helping my life. Like, was there, cause it's like, I feel like a lot of moms are like, I, maybe I drink too much. They kind of question it's the gray area. Like I, so, I'm not an alcoholic, but what made you like, be like, this is not giving value to my life. So I had my youngest during the height of COVID. I had her April of 2020, literally three weeks into the world, the bottom falling out of the universe. I had her. And so that year was the year of drinking. Everybody was on social media showing (laughs) like drinking, how they're getting through COVID, all of that stuff. So I did not see it as a problem that I was drinking more. I was blissfully ignorant. It was summertime. Like everybody was drinking, whatever. It wasn't until Christmas time that I realized like, Ali, you're drinking a lot and you're sleeping in, you're not really doing it. And I was finally, I weaned myself off breastfeeding because I had to choose me. And I knew like that, that was my last ditch effort to try to like get out of this funk. And once the fog started clearing, I was like, Allie, you've got to start somewhere when you're going to regain control of your life. You start somewhere. And for me, the easiest place for me to start was alcohol. That's what I tell my clients all the time. I'm like, all right. So right now life seems really fucking hard and everything is out of control. Don't try to tackle everything at once. Pick the one thing that's the least daunting and tackle that first. Nutrition was really daunting for me at that point, right? Like all of these things were really scary, but alcohol was like the least scary of all of them to control. So I started with cutting it out throughout the week. And I was like, all right, we're going to stick to weekend cocktails. We just need to try to get this under control. And then I did 75 hard and I found out because that's 75 days sober, how amazing it feels to have optimal health without reliant on alcohol. Um, and so once I came off of that, I set a really strict boundary with myself because I said, I loved how this feels, but I still love a good cocktail. So yes. I set a really <laughs> boundary with myself that I will only drink on the weekends and I will only, you know, have one to two, like, it's not going to be anything crazy because I need to still make sure that I can keep this control about myself. Now, now, you know, if I'm away with a friend or whatever like that during a weekday, I will have one. But at the beginning, when I was trying to regain that control of my alcohol, I had to have that strict boundary. And so I always say, if somebody, if you have a question of if this is a problem or not, it probably is, or it's probably on the route to becoming a problem. And if it scares you that much to go without alcohol for five days throughout the week, or if it scares you that much, then you probably means you need it. Um, because it scared the crap out of me to cut it out any, because I was, I was relying on those notly cocktails. Right. Um, and I needed that. I needed it to be able to regain that control. But there is nothing better, like you said, than waking up completely, like just clear and not, I wasn't waking up hungover, but just like not feeling if there's a difference to mm-hmm. having no alcohol. It's very hard for me to go five days, but I don't, I drink in very much moderation. Like I'll have a beer, 
with my dinner or a glass of wine. And if I don't have it, I feel deprived. Then my mind goes back to like my eating disorder days where I can't have it. So it has to be allowed. I think that's all in your mindset and your perspective on that. I always say change your perspective, change your life because of the triggering of saying, I always like to remind myself I'm the one in control. Nobody's telling me I can't have this. I'm telling myself that that I am in control and I get to make the decision if this is something that's worth it to me or not. I teach my clients all the time, the idea of a worth it food or a worth it drink or not. You means you regain the control that no one's telling you. I'm not holding something to your head saying you can't fucking have this, or I'm going to beat the crap out of you, right? Like you can have whatever you want, but at the end of the day, you need to make that decision. If it's something that's worth it to you or not, you have to make the decision. If this is something that's for your best self or not. Um, and so once I change my perspective and say, instead of feeling like I'm being restrictive because I can't have it throughout the week, I flipped the script and said, I'm doing this to keep control of myself. I'm doing this because I choose to do it because it's not something that's worth it to me throughout the week. I don't need a beer at supper. I just did it out of, you know, I just did it out of habit rather than truly, really wanting it. Um, and so I think it's just like anybody, as long as you change your perspective on it and you know, if it's something that's important to you, then that's amazing. You don't need to give it up. But if it's something that you feel like you're just doing out of habit, then maybe you have to ask yourself if it's worth it to me or not. I love that. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Now back to squats and margaritas. Sleep is my favorite. So I never want to F up my sleep. So drinking is not, at night is not worth it to me because it'll mess up my sleep. So mm-hmm. that's kind of like a worth it. I guess I do that. Um, I'm not going to have a glass of wine after dinner because of my sleep. Um, and that brings me to you wake up at 445. What what time do you go to bed? Ah, uh, what time do I go to bed? It all depends. I lay in bed once I lay my kids down. So I lay my kids down at eight and I'm in bed. Oh. Um, usually I'm a because I do my my me time in the morning. Okay. I don't like doing my me time in the nighttime. <laughs> I just do that. Okay, I, that, I was gonna say no. That's the only time I can watch a show. So you flip it. You do in the morning. So I do me and my husband will lay in bed. So we lay in bed at eight from eight to nine. If he wants to watch a show, we'll watch a show. I'm a big reader. So like I'll read from like eight to nine and then by nine o'clock I'm ready to go to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's because I like to start my morning without my kids in my yeah. ear complaining that they don't want to get up and all that. Like I need time to get my woo saw before I go fight my kids to get up ready for school. Totally. So I just realized, and I also asked myself, Anything like I ask myself in the morning, is it better? Like, am I a better human when I get up in the morning or am I a better human when I stay up late? I realize when I stay up late, nothing, they say nothing good happens after dark. And for me, that's true. <laughs> like I will find myself snacking a lot. I'll find myself drinking. I'll find myself watching things that I really don't need to watch. <laughs> like anytime I stayed up late, it was always a crapshoot of whether, you know, I would go down a dark hole or not. But I always find in the morning, I have my best self in mind. And so when I wake up early, I get my workout in, I drink my coffee, I get to read, I get to sit there and spend time with me and doing things I know that are in my best interest when at night, you know, I'm a lot more emotional at night because I've had to deal with a whole day of kids Mm -hmm. that I don't usually make choices with my best interest in mind. That is so, I should, yeah. I'm like, well, no, I have to get one more hour because it's the only time to myself. I'm going to try it to flip that. 
get up. And then I always get up and at least have a cup of coffee. Cause I, I feel you. And you cannot just be met with two people that are like and waffles. And you're like, Nuh. so I get up a little bit earlier, but yeah, maybe shifting it. Cause I do love to go to bed at nine. <laughs> I put my kids to bed at eight and then I watch my shows. So I should, yes, I'm going to flip it. I was going to end it with how do you balance all the things? But I think that's such a tangible tip. Wake up early, get the workout out of the way because I'm always like, I got to get a workout in. I have a show. I also run a foundation. I'm finishing a second book. And then my kids, it's like the bus is back. And I'm like, like, how do you, do you time block your days? So I'm not very organized. <laughs> I, um, so I have non-negotiables that I do. So like I, you know, I do coaching. I also have social media. So I do affiliations and stuff like that. I have the podcast. I have a book club. <laughs> I have a lot going on. Yes. So like, I try, I have certain days. I do certain things for each of those. Um, but I'm not like the most organized person because I realize I don't like to put a lot of pressure on myself. So I nap time is when I'm like really productive. Cause I still have one at home. Hopefully come April, she's going to be in school, but <laughs> for now I still have one at home. So like nap time, like right now we're recording this podcast. This is when I get the bulk of my work done, but also my support says team is amazing. Like my husband, he is phenom when he gets home from work. Like if I have to go on a long run, he'll take care of the kids and cook supper. Or if I didn't get any work during that day, um, then he'll, you know, take over and then I can come down here in my office and work. So I'm just, I feel like with kids, it's really freaking hard to have any kind of set schedule. So I have a list of things I need to get done and I just, work on trying to fit those throughout my day. I'm also a pro screen time mom, especially a work from home mom with a baby at home. So she gets to watch an hour of Bluey while I sit here and work. I have a TV on top of my treadmill right here. And she literally has a chair right here that's on the TV. And she gets an hour of that while I get some work done. You know, I feel like a lot of people, they put pressure on you as a mom. That's like, you know, no screen time. You got to always be entertaining. And I am a big advocate for independent play. And that she can at least have an hour of screen time. So that's usually what I fit work in. And we just kind of, we make it work. <laughs> I just love how you just give yourself grace. I hold myself to the standard that like, yes, screen time. And I'm not spending enough time here. And I'm not, yes. Like I, I need to give myself a little bit of grace. It, hand them their tablet and be fine. And it's fine, you know, and not worry that you're not, that you're coming up short. Somebody, it's a new year. They want to make a life change. Where does somebody start? Like, what is the first thing where you could be like today, do this? So I always say where to start is the thing that's the, the least intimidating to you. Mm. So like, if you literally, you know, right now you don't know where to start, ask yourself this, where is like the first step? Where is something that least intimidating? Maybe that means you start going on walks with your babies, right? That doesn't take a lot more effort. You go on a walk, or maybe that means, you know, you wake up 10 minutes earlier or something like that. Start with something super, super small that is not super intimidating and work your way up from there. Cause that's the hardest part is that first step. So maybe that means you go on two walks a week and then you really get in the movement of that. And then you can go on three and then you've gotten that. So now you're like, Oh, maybe I can try an at-home workout. Then you can try there. And then you can start working on your nutrition and stuff like that. Just start tackling the thing that scares you the least and the least intimidating and make sure you don't try to do too much too soon. I feel like that's another place. A lot of people mess up is they try to go from zero to five. And there, yeah. <laughs> there's a big area that you're missing. So like go from zero to two, right? Go from zero to three, but don't try to do too much too soon. 
Yeah. Don't say, well, now I'm going to get in shape. So I'm going to work out every day. If you're not working out at all, because then you're going to get hurt or you're going to be too sore to even walk baby steps. Like you said, you were just saying, um, I think it was on your Instagram, like a baby doesn't just stand and be like, I'm going to walk today. <laughs> like you got to get there. <laughs> and they fall a million times before they like, can we just admit that kids are so much more being resilient than we are? Yeah. Like we're in the way between adolescent baby and us. Did we lose this resilience? And it's where you know, society put pressure on us, right? Kids will literally fall a hundred times and always get up 101 because they don't have that societal pressure to be perfect. So why do we let that societal pressure to be perfect to keep us from keep getting up? You're talking to me. Exactly. I need to stop doing that. Uh, what else is coming up for you? Um, y'all, <laughs> you're going to find out for me. I just run by the seat of my britches. I'm like, mm, what sounds good? And then I just do it. Marathon. I, marathon is coming up for you. Yes. For sure. You do have to do that. <laughs> I have my second ever marathon. My first one was a disaster. So we're giving it another go. I love um, it. I have a book club that just started. So we're working on that with the be that bitch, which is my podcast. Um, this year I'm really focusing on getting guests. So you'll be my second ever guest of the podcast history oh podcast God. has been around for a year. So it's insane. Yeah. And where yeah, can people just, be a part of the book club? Like how do you, is it smutty books? What? Yes. Smutty books. You can, I like, if you go and listen to my podcast and you listen to like the first 15 minutes and you're like these books, she's talking about, I need to be a part of this, go to the link in my bio at Allie Griffith and you can just join. It's, it's a hoot and a holler y'all. Like it's just, it's fantastic. Sally, you are fantastic, and I can't wait to be the second guest on your show. Thank you so much for listening to the Squats and Margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas. 